I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at KindFarmsInc, all one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is KindFarmsInc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is RYAN10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on An Actor Despairs, we have a very exciting episode with actor Billy Howell. You've seen him in projects like The Seagull, Outlaw King, Mother, Father, Son, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and he gave one of my favorite performances last year in The Serpent, which was so wonderful, and we're here today to talk about his new show, The Beast Must Die with Jared Harris. I got so much love for Billy, we really connected, and I relate to him on so many levels, and he was so open and giving, and I'm telling you, if I were a betting man, he's going to take over the world within the next year. Billy, I got so much love for you, man. Thanks for coming on. Let's do it again soon. Here it is. Billy Howe, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm okay. Um, thanks for having me. Oh, man, it means so much having you here, man. You know, I, I, I've been very fortunate. Uh, you're episode 151, and... Uh, right. I've been able to speak to to a lot of incredible actors, man, and and uh, I say this with every degree of sincerity. You know, there's there's few actors that do this on a on a clinical level. You know, like obviously like Daniel Day Lewis, you know, Meryl Streep, you know, and I've had some other clinical actors on the show, but you are absolutely one of them, man. You know what I've seen you do with your work, man. I mean, you are you are a clinician. If 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 I were carving out text. If I were writing it, you know, just like just like medicine, I would like I would want to put this in Billy's hands to see what he does with it, because you're a master of your craft. And it's one thing to be a great actor, but to to, to accelerate it to that level is something that we all so few actors are able to do. And, and, and I'm just so amazed at your work, man. And, and I'm stealing from you and you're inspiring me. And, and thank you for your service. No, but thank you. That's um, yeah, I'm, I'm over the moon with that. That's a huge compliment. So, uh, yeah, th- thanks very much. Of course, man. I mean every word. Sorry if that was overwhelming, but uh, I had no, to no, say it. 
but and still learning how to take praise, you know. So it's like, uh, I get it. Yeah, totally, man. I look forward to the day when uh, I got to do the same. But tell me, man. So where did you grow up? So um, I was well, I was born in Stoke. Actually, it's on this cup. Um, oh, nice. So, uh, what a yeah. great name for a um, town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So Stoke on Trent is where I was born. So that's where my parents met. Um, and I think roughly around age two, we moved to Oxfordshire. Um, and my dad took a, a, a job at a university there as a junior lecturer in music. Uh, so we grew up around Oxfordshire and then moved into sort of Oxford proper in a place called Old Marston. So I grew up there until I was 10 years old. And it was actually, I remember celebrating the millennium in Oxford and it being, you know, this huge deal. And then shortly after that, we moved up to Scarborough, which is on the northeast coast. So, uh, yeah, and then and then we sort of settled there. So my parents still live there and that became our sort of family home. And then I, I left there when I was 18. Um, for the old Vic? Ago that was. No. And so first of all, for a different drama school, for a, a drama school called East 15 oh. Acting School, which oh. is in East London. Yeah. Oh. So my parents. Sorry, oh. go on. Oh, before we even get there, man, talk to me about your childhood, you know, moving around like that was, was that difficult for you, you know, just kind of like building friends and then having to move again? Yeah. So, I mean, that one, one that really sticks with me and, uh, I've actually recently rekindled this connection with uh, a friend of mine when I was, um, in Oxford called Freddie and his father was an actor, an actor called John Benfield. Uh, he was in like prime suspects and all this stuff. And he was one of the sort of main reasons I became interested in um, acting anyway. Yeah. And I was fascinated by what he did. And he'd always come home with new bits of costume or props or whatever. And so there was a sort of a real sense of mag magic around what he did for a living. Um, and yeah, so, so when, when we moved, I would have been 10 years old. And I feel like 10 is you know, they are definitely your formative years. And I think it's certainly a very interesting age for a, for, for a young boy. Um, because there's this, a lot of, lot starts to change around the age of 10. And I, I had this very close connection with, with my friend, Freddie, whose father was an actor. And then, uh, yeah, I was sort of uprooted. And also there was a, a real sense of sort of, well, it was a massive culture shock too. So we moved up to Scarborough and, and, in, in Oxford, we had this sort of very multicultural school and we had kids from all walks of life and different backgrounds and whatever. And then suddenly I'm in Scarborough and it was predominantly um, working class white kids. Yeah. So that, that in itself was like difficult for me to, to make sense of. At that age, I, I didn't quite understand, you know, why there weren't any people of colour in Scarborough, yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. and, and why why the attitudes as well to... All, all number of things but were sort of wildly different to where they were in Oxford. Um, and so, yeah, and then, of course, I turn up in Scarborough with this, like, quite polished, almost RP voice, I guess, you know. Um, but, it, yeah, Oxford. And, and I, I don't know, a little bit more provincial than RP, I guess. But um, anyway, and so I turn up, and also uh, we were vegetarian, so I was very skinny. And when we arrived in Scarborough, there was this, there was... Um, knits going around or something i think one i've got three brothers and uh, one of us had knits so my dad used to get the clippers out and like shave all our heads uh <laughs> so i turned off at this new school um the, the other thing to add was uh th there's a three-tier system 
uh, as in the, the education system um, in Oxford, uh-huh. a bit like a, a bit like America. So you know, you meaning have like high elementary, school. middle, high school. Sort That's of. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and then and then uh, the rest of the country near enough like has a two tier system where it's just primary and then secondary. Wow. And then you go to college, right? And so it's, it was quite different. So I'd just gone up to middle school when I was in Oxford, and then I, I felt like I'd been sort of demoted when I got to Scarborough because I was going back to primary school to finish primary school again. And I remember I turned up on the first day, really skinny, pale kid, the vegetarianism, uh, and a shaven head. And the kids actually thought I was I was really sick. Like, oh no! Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so funnily enough, like when I, what I learned very quickly, and I was already starting to find this out anyway, is to sort of to like win favor, if you like, is to clown around, is to fool around. And so because, again, I had to sort of make new friends and all this stuff, I spent a lot of my time not really paying attention at school, but drawing, like, fake moustaches on my face and, you know, throwing things across the classroom and whatever like trying else trying to be funny or just, like, it, trying to enjoy yourself or... Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think it was a lot... I was a lot more daunted. And this, this is a, like, this is a recurring theme with me anyway. I was far more daunted by the whole thing, far more overwhelmed than perhaps I thought I was. I've often like faced things and I thought, no, I'm, I'm completely prepared to do this and, I, and it's okay, we've just moved place. But actually, now in retrospect, I look back and I think, you know, I, 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 I was a really sensitive kid. That, that hasn't changed either. And it was a big thing for me to face, um, to then sort of, you know, make new friends. Um, and, and, and I, I don't have of sorry to interrupt the, the RP, you know, because I know in in I mean I got to say probably in all the world UK has the most diversity of accents and each accent can perceive so many subliminal things about someone and so many assumptions can be made. You know, were, was there a target on your back for having that accent? Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I wouldn't go as far as say as a, a target on my back, but um, I think. I think it was interesting because I think what it taught me was that um, accents in a way, although they're sort of, um, we, we, we subsume them. Is that the right word? Uh, we sort of take them on. We assimilate this, this, this voice and that sort of becomes us. That becomes our voice. And I, I remember quite early on thinking, I don't speak like everyone else at the school. They've got this quite broad Yorkshire accent. And of course, over time, it will have affected the way I, I spoke because I was only 10 and, you know, the, the voice does evolve and it does change um, more for some and, and less for other people. But I think um, I realized perhaps that, yes, that, that the voice was a tool in a way and that some people who spoke a certain way, I don't know how to say this diplomatically, but like some people who, who speak in a certain way can be more persuasive than others. Yeah. <laughs> I know so, is that you say no more. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I, yeah, that, that was kind of interesting. And I, and I thought, hold on, you know, I, I suppose one of the benefits of having moved around so much and having had all these experiences in these different pockets of, of the country, um, was that I, I got a real good understanding of the difference, you know, uh, and it is sort of wildly different culturally and, and, and things like accents and, and dialects. And the class system and, uh, is, is well, right? For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. That's, that's incredible. Talk, talk to me, you know, when 
you know, I, I, what are we talking like 13 here is, is it about the age we're talking about? Uh, yeah. So that, that, that would be when I'm into secondary school, uh, when I'm in Scarborough. So I've, I've gone through primary school, gone up to secondary school. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it's so interesting because I mean, after that point, I, I didn't have a, such a strong connection with a, an individual such as I did when I lived in Oxford. Then suddenly I started becoming this uh, sort of chameleon-like. I was a sort of a floater. I was able to ingratiate myself with all sorts of groups of people when I got to secondary school. And I would adapt and almost sort of change myself, maybe my behavior, my demeanor, yeah. whatever, to, to, to fit in with, yeah, with those groups. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally relate. I went to a majority minority high school and I, I did the same thing, man. You know, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Talk to me about your relationship to, you know, not not just acting, but just art in general. You know, were you were you on Napster? Were you downloading music? What kind of content were you consuming? Like what what was what was your relationship to just like art in the broad spectrum? Sure. Yeah. Um so that, that, that's that's quite interesting. When I lived in Oxford, uh, I had a friend called George, uh, and we we started a band when we were sort of nine, ten years old. Nice. I, what was it called? Yeah, uh, I can't remember what we were called actually. Um, it might come to me later, but uh, someone might so find it say, in the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah, that, yeah. that would be great. But uh, I remember sort of rehearsing with him, and I I. I'd been I'd been given this saxophone for for Christmas, and I still play. Actually, I had a hiatus from it, but I picked it up again recently. And he played guitar, and he was. We were both into grunge, but I remember he he introduced me to like Frank Zappa. Well, well, yeah. My my dad also has this real eclectic taste in music. He's a professor of music, yeah. uh, electronic music. So we had a real mixed bag of stuff in the house anyway, and I loved listening to those CDs and. There's a few sort of anthemic tunes, if you like, that that that, that really, you know, remind me of that time. My mum would put certain, like Annie Lennox would go on yeah. if she was hoovering, for instance. You know, so there's those sorts of things. Um, but George introduced me to like Nirvana and uh, The Offspring, the, yeah. the punk band. Love The Offspring. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, it's so quite a young age. Uh, I started getting into to the sort of heavier side of stuff. And I remember... I may have been like 12 or 13. Um, I asked my granny for Christmas to buy me Kurt Cobain's journals. No way. And, yeah. That's awesome. So I had those. Yeah, well. so, yeah. But I was like 13. So a lot of the stuff in there, I mean, I think the stuff that he was writing about, particularly some of the more intimate stuff, uh, is very, very vivid in my, in my memory. Um, it's very brooding I mean, I think, and, and angsty, which is kind of how you're feeling at 13, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so, yeah. And then, and then I got to Scarborough and I, I, I started joining more bands. So uh, we were in a few bands um, up there, um, the main one being Shallow Dreams. And we were like a grunge post-punk kind of <sighs> outfit. Yeah. So you and did the Killian Murphy way. You went music first. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, I, it was always there. Um, the acting. So I started dancing actually first. Wow. I did I, ballet. I, classically. No. How did, how did that happen? So, so I must've been like, uh, I used to dislocate my, um, my, my elbow all the time. Uh, when I was a kid 
And my mum went to a doctor and said, what can you do to sort of strengthen the tendons and, and his joints, you know, because it keeps happening. Like my uncle would pick me up and swing me around. It would dislocate again and we'd go back to hospital. And it must have happened like six, seven times. And my mum said to the doctor, like, what can you do? And they said, well, gymnastics and dance are like the best things for a growing person, you know. And so I did. I started gymnastics, which didn't go down uh, too well with me. I mean, all the girls, it was mainly girls, obviously, uh, <laughs> Um, it, you know, doing it, they were like far advanced from where I was. Yeah. Uh, and the, the teacher reminded me of Tina Turner, actually, the gymnastics teacher. And she was just quite stern with me all the time. Anyway, so that didn't go down well, but I, I enjoyed dance. So I did ballet and tap. Um, and that got me uh, my first part, my first role, uh, playing Bob in the Dog in Cinderella, the pantomime. Wow. Yeah. So, so that was my first... No, so this this would have been at the Oxford Playhouse. So it's oh. like a legitimate, yeah, yeah. Nice, proper theater. Wow, amazing. Yeah, so yeah, I played Bob in the Dog, um, and and that that was like the, the the first show. So so I sort of realized that that perhaps is something that I would be interested in, and then I became this brooding, actually teenager, like you said, and became less less interested in it, perhaps. Perhaps because of the connotations also, I was bullied about it. You know, I was bullied a little bit uh, about um, dance because I carried on doing ballet when I was in Scarborough. Um, yeah, people would take the piss, you know, I didn't quite understand it, I guess. So I gave it up. And, I, and then until I was about 16 or 17, I just forgot about theatre as well completely. Was there not um, much in Scarborough of like, you know, theater communities and, and playhouses and, and youth theater? Was that, did that not exist as much as it did in no, Oxford? Yeah, it, no, it, it totally did. Um, oh, okay, cool. So there's, there's, a, there's a really brilliant, um, I, think, I think like country renowned sort of uh, youth theater called Rounders. And it's theater in the round. It's one of, I think, only two theaters in the round uh, uh, existing in the country or something. The other one's in Stoke, funnily enough. And they're sister theatres. Um, and uh, yeah, so the Stephen Joseph Theatre. And I went back there when I was 15, 16. And Alan Akebourne, um gave me like a, a scholarship to, to watch him in rehearsals and, um, and, and also do this sort of episodic thing called Tiny Time Tales uh, for kids every Saturday. So we'd rehearse on a Friday. Yeah. And then put the show on on, on Saturday morning for kids. Um, so So yeah, I mean... That's, I started to become more interested in it again, more through community theatre, through things like developing workshops eventually and helping the staff out as well, you know, with the younger kids. And, um, yeah, so that, yeah, it's funny. I, I'm kind of losing my track of thought, really, but train of thought. But, well, were um, your parents encouraging you of, of doing this and, and, and continuing the arts? You know, I mean, I know, uh, trust me, I know how tough teenagers can be on anything that's not cool. So, like, leaving dance behind and, and doing this, like, community theater thing, you know, was, were they like, yeah, you know, Billy, that's great. We want you to do that, you know, or where, where were they yeah. at on towards the support system? Totally, yeah. So, my, my, my parents have always... Um, been incredibly supportive of any decision that I made, and I think, it, you know, you know, teenage years, as you said, you know, that they're, they're incredibly difficult, and they 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 are scarring. I think. Yeah. Uh, and and I was a very very troubled um, teenager, young man, um, and uh, there, there was a there was a moment I got I sort of got in with the wrong crowd, and it was sort of through the music roots. I'd met people in bands, and the band and the gig. Um, 
scene in, in, in Scarborough at the time it was quite big actually and we would play you know proper gigs at, at proper venues uh, so so it, it, I was pretty wayward at that point wow and so there was there was like a you know there was a danger that actually and I kind of remember it quite vividly I dropped out of college twice so we're talking like 16, 17 here and just I dropped out of college twice my mum couldn't get me up ever ever in the morning uh, to, to get to college and were you not doing theater just, at this time? Just it was just regular, like you know, college at this point, basic studies. Yeah, no. So I, I chose all uh, pretty arts-based subjects. I think music, music tech, um, drama, uh, 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 and English actually, um, English literature. So I, and I, you know, I, I was so I was studying drama at at college. Um. I was a little bit. I was kind of done with with uh, with the education system, really. Yeah. Um, I dropped out as I well, was, man. I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this. I mean, I have, it's a kind of the the danger of having two parents who are teachers, also. So, um, in a way, like I remember, my mum would come home, and I I just see through the the teacher mode thing. Like I understood um, this voice that she was putting on, and 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 so using that as evidence, I would go into school and sort of use it against the teachers because I knew what it was about. Um, I knew that it was sort of performative and, um, yeah. So, and I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was frustrated basically. Um, so there was a danger that I wasn't going to do anything. And then when I got to 18, my, my mom and dad, and I've confronted them about this recently, actually, they just said, right, you know, look, look at drama schools. And I was encouraged by the youth theater leader, a woman called Cheryl, and she said, audition for drama school. And so I, so I did, and I got this audition together. For and the they drove Lambda, down. Rada, like all the big ones, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I got a place at East 15 to do a foundation course, which is year, a year long. <clears throat> so my parents told me to get my stuff in the car, and I did. They drove me down to Debton in East London, near, nearly Essex, and then um, dropped me off outside this house, put all my stuff on the pavement uh and i was sat on it as they drove away so we didn't even wait for the owner to um and i wow, yeah so what an experience man <laughs> so i was 18 and i was quite a young 18 you know and i arrived at the school they let yeah they left me anyway i confronted my mom and dad about it recently they were like well it worked you know oh that <laughs> so, was their plan that's awesome yeah yeah, yeah. and, and they're it, it, uh, right you know so i tough I love man you know we got to love our that's parents right. for it yeah, exactly. So um, when, when you got to to this school, were you were you committed to acting at this point? Were were you like, this is what I want to do? Or were you still just kind of like, I'm cool, you know? Let me give it a try, you know? Maybe ambivalent a little. Um, I, I'm 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 I don't know. I'm I'm rarely ambivalent about very much actually. And I'm, oh, that's I'm, a great I'm, great way to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's, I think it's a bless. I think it's a blessing and a curse. You know, it's like. Uh, when I say ambivalent about very much, I mean anything that I'm involved in or doing. You know, it's like uh, I have to, even if I'm, I feel like I could be ambivalent about it, I've got to like trick myself into thinking, you know what, this needs this needs my attention, this needs my commitment, this needs my focus. You know, um, even if I think it's a, a pile of shit. You know, uh, and so so yeah. So anyway, I, I turn up at this drama school. I don't really know what to expect. And the school is about sort of, you know, the rudiments. So they're sort of teaching us this rudimentary stuff and, 
you know, introducing new skills like yoga and a bit of movement and pretending to be animals and like uh, the mind, pantomime, commedia dell'arte, yeah, yeah. all that good. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All the great stuff. Yeah. yeah. So all the stuff you go, when am I going to use this again? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, but then we've also got these like text-based uh, projects. And one of them is a verbatim piece called Life After Life. And it's about life sentence serving prisoners. And we have to play these characters and do these speeches. Anyway, and I get given this one particularly heinous crime that this individual has committed. All, all uh, true? With all true, and it's all word wow. for word, their wow. words, yeah. And, and, it's, and he's holding a machete anyway. And we're putting on this piece, and my mind starts going to a, to a very, very dark place, as, as one would expect, but in, in such a vivid, with such alacrity and, and so vivid that it, it, I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what, how to compute this information that my brain is giving me, right? And it, there's this world that it's creating this, this imagined circumstance, but it isn't imagined because I'm going, well, this is real. Someone did this and I have to be this person. So, and so I think quite naturally my brain started being that person, but to such an extent that I scared myself. Um, and it, it, I remember that quite vividly because, because it's really stuck with me. Yeah. And I, and I suffered a lot during the course of that text project and I didn't say anything to anyone. And I, it made me um, incredibly sensitive to the human condition and to what people are capable of and to the whys and the wherefores yeah. of that. And, uh, and so that's never gone away. And I remember that was a sort of formative thing, really. But it left me, it left me exhausted. It left me kind of feeling bereft almost. And I, I, I didn't know how to sort of get back to where I was. So I, in a way, it was sort of a loss of innocence for sure um, as an individual. But it was also sort of the beginnings of something as an actor that, that so, you know, these things that eventually would come to, to excite me rather than, you know, I mean, I think I'm still fearful of them, but, but it excites me more so. You know, and I'm yeah. driven towards them, I think, now rather than shying away from them. And uh so, yeah, so then I, I actually went back to Scarborough to sort of do a bit of a hard reset because I wasn't in a particularly good way after I finished there. Uh, and then uh, about a year uh, a year later, two years later, because uh, I tried in the, the year after and didn't get in anywhere. Cause I for think the, I still... for the, the roster of the regular drama schools. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Land, Land, um, but... Guildhall, all of them, yeah. That's right. I actually auditioned for East 15 again because you get a free audition if you do the foundation. Program. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, and, and the guy, the guy on the panel said to me, you're too weird to come and do <laughs> the audacity. Who the fuck says that? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's what we want as actors. Weird is good, man. That's why we got into <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> well, apparently not. And apparently yeah. not at East 15. But um, anyway, so I mean, I think the whole sort of deconstructing of the person and the, the reassembly of them during the course of a year, a year or three years, you know, I think it's, I don't know. It's the whole thing's a bit of a misnomer, really. It's, it's not necessary. So what I really wanted was some, like a nurturing environment that was sort of interdisciplinary and felt collaborative. And, and uh, anyway, so I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll go for the main um, conservatoires. I didn't get in the first year round. Then the second year I tried again, I'd been back in Scarborough 
doing workshops for kids with behavioral difficulties and uh, hearing impairment, visual impairment, etc. And, um, and I sort of felt, yeah, okay. I sort of, I've, I've rekindled my love for this. I sort of know what, what it is I want to do. And so I did, I auditioned, I auditioned again and I went to Bristol and on the audition panel, uh, uh, was a man named Chris Scott and he was the head of acting at the time. And I said, I, I recognize you. And I said, widow twanky. And he was like, what do you mean? Uh, and he was widow twanky in the pantomime I'd done in Oxford when I was seven or eight years old. No way. When I played Bob in the dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Callback. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was pretty wild. Um, but I got into the school that year. Which is one of the, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, Odette Fair, some of the finest actors in the world, you know? I mean, that's yeah. that's such a huge accomplishment, brother. I mean, is that where you, you this precision and, and would you say that that school's where you found your voice as an actor? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I think, I think all, all the raw materials were always there. What I hadn't had, well, I, I, I sort of had, but, but not with the, the kind of expertise necessary to push me into the, the, the next part. And it's so interesting because I think a lot of what you learn at drama school is sort of unfortunate, but I think it is the right way. A lot of it's sort of through adversity. And, and it's, it's a place where you've got to be able to make as many mistakes as, as you can, you know. And I think that, that is, that is a sort of safe, trusting, creative environment. And that was certainly provided for us for the most part. You know, there were parts of it I, really didn't get on board with and parts of it I didn't understand why it was being taught to us even and all of this stuff so you know and someone kept saying to me you know it's about uh building your own toolkit so that you can then be sort of um um, you can decide which parts of it you want to take or which parts you don't and it will reveal itself eventually why it's pertains to the work or why it's important I think that is true you know there's a um I still had a few, I guess, sort of personal problems. The beginning, uh, beginning of the school. I was quite an intense guy. Yeah, uh, I'm the same and, way. Uh, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you I can mean, tell I, by yeah. my intro monologue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I've never known anything different, you know. So it's it's like, um, yeah. But there, there was a moment at the school, like I, I think a lot, a lot of the group found it a bit over overbearing and um we had i remember having this meeting where we all sat down uh and it was sort of made clear to me that i was being too intense so uh so i remember sort of going okay so i have to make an effort i have to make an effort here to essentially conform really and that's that is what they were asking me to do they didn't want me to be this sort of bouncing off the walls kind yeah. of intense guy you know they needed me to be a bit more normal so I guess I guess if anything, it sort of taught me normal a bit, uh, which has come in handy actually. You know? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 all in all, you know, because obviously I get to the project. Would you say Guildhall was a good, you know, secondary foundational experience for you? Uh, Bristol, Bristol Old Vic. I'm, I'm sorry, Bristol, Bristol Old Vic. Yeah, that's sorry. all right. Yeah. No worries, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it 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 really has. You know, it refined my craft and, you know, there's certain things that, that I definitely do harken back to or, or, or try to sort of, 
I think about again, you know, when I'm working. So yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of invaluable really. And was it nice to kind of be away from, from London, you know, like, because I imagine being in all those other schools, you know, you have the city right there, the West end auditions are tempting, you know, like there you can focus on your education and you can still go there if you need to be, was your mind when you were at drama school, let me get this education and I'll worry about auditions later. Or were you still trying to figure out your professional career early on as well? It's, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's quite an interesting question. I mean, in a, in a way, there's no frame of reference for uh, a person at the school in terms of like what the real world auditions in the real world are, yeah. are like. And there was a lot of talk of the real world, right? So it's with I, I kind of straight away, I was like, oh, we are definitely institutionalized here. You know, there's, there's this idea that this is a bubble of time and this, you know, it's, it's a sort of physical bubble as well. And yes, eventually you'll be, the gates will be opened and, you, and you'll off you'll go. And the idea, I think, of the three years is sort of this preparatory notion for, you know, a, a state of readiness for the real world. But having no frame of reference, really. You know, you had these people come in, uh, you know, who had been actors, had been professional actors, and now we're teaching, you know. And so they would try their best to sort of give us a frame of reference. Yeah. Um, but actually nothing, I don't think, could prepare you for what it's, what it's actually like. In no a way, way. You know? yeah. It's brutal. Um, yeah, it really is. And um, so, yeah, so I think what's great is, actually, a lot of the adverse things that happened during my time at school, they did prepare me for the real world. You know, so the rejection and the, um, actually some of the more interpersonal social things that didn't go so well, uh, that sort of prepared me for adult life as well and and, and the brutality of, of, of the industry in, in a way. I love that, man. Thank you for sharing that. That means so much to me. And, and talk to me, you know, you uh, obviously you had a showcase and I imagine you got rep, right? Uh, uh, y- yes, not, uh, not straight away, actually. Uh, oh, wow. The circus happened. Yeah, I think it's, it's actually, they made me sweat a bit. But my understanding, uh, I was with with my then agent i've actually moved now but um yeah we he he waited a week i think and my he told me a few years later the reason for that was his boss said to him if you don't sign that boy uh you're gone basically so no. <laughs> well that dude's the man <laughs> so uh, yeah wow. yes so it's so, so it's sort of an ultimatum and and apparently i was his first uh client uh, as a as a solo yeah trader as a solo agent um so yeah we, we were together for, for for seven years um I and think that guy you years. blew which was was the first thing that really kind of you know launched you into the to the uk stratosphere would you say right yeah absolutely yeah um i mean i think i think yeah glue was interesting it's you know similar sort of ballpark to skins same yeah. writer as skins love skins um, classic you know yeah yeah so it was. I mean, it, it definitely was. A, a, all the all the inks first. must have come back to use, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. And then and then talk to me. You know, when when you're there, you know, I've talked to this with a lot of British actors, you know, and and you know, there there's so much, you know, period piece drama, and there's so much amazing, you know, stuff in the West End, and obviously having the credentials of the old Vic, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was no shortage of theaters that wanted you. Where was your focus? Were you, you I want to do film and TV or were you really just open to working? Yeah, it's, it's funny because I think, um, again, it's like it's about this expectation. When I was at school, at drama school, 
I, did, I think the, the presumption was that I would go straight into sort of classical theatre because we'd done so much of that, like yeah. speaking classical text, and it didn't happen, you know. I mean, eventually I, I worked with Richard Eyre twice on um, um, on two classical, well, they're essentially classical pieces, um, um, Eugene O'Neill and, and an Ibsen play. Um, but, you know, that took a while for, 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 for that to actually happen. So I think my expectation was I was going to go straight into theatre. And I've been quite fortunate, you know, I've, I've done nearly sort of, uh, nearly a play every two years or something, you know. Oh, but I, that's I kind amazing. of, yeah, I hoped that it would be more than that in a way. I thought I, I really wanted to um, continue the the education process, if you like, yeah. because I think if anything, I, I learned so much more about my craft doing theatre in a way. Um, um, I mean, it's a totally different skill, isn't it? I mean, it's it's, but I think to to, to really find refinement and to experiment and to to play with things, you know, you have the luxury of this rehearsal process. Yeah. Um, also my people skills, I find like, I, uh, you know, I can really stretch them doing a, a play, you know? Um, so, so yeah, that was, that was the, the idea, but then, yeah, it didn't happen. I just TV, 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 loads of TV, and then started doing films and, 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 and we got, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, we're, I'm not trying to skip over things. There's so much amazing thing, right. but you know, Dunkirk, you know, a, a game changing film with, probably you know top three best directors living in the world and and definitely one of all time you know when when yeah. that came your way I, I imagine you know you probably have seen the batman films and and maybe some of the other nolan's work but was that like just talk to me about that audition and, and getting that product yeah. was that a yeah yeah wild time in your life yeah, it was. I mean, it's 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 a bit of a blur to be fair. Like, uh, I mean, we were there. I was there for for all of one week. You know, I only had a small, uh, small part in the film. But um, but I, everyone kind of does. That's kind of why it works. You know, it's right. yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's like a hundred different characters in the film. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, but but um, yeah, I remember, I remember turning up and like I, I I'd never experienced uh, something as vast as that. You know, uh, I think you know at that point I'd, I'd only been on fairly small sets really and then suddenly there's like 400 supporting artists in a in a warehouse and i'm you know i'm i'm sort of led through them and then i, lo I lose my way and then a, a french sort of costume person starts dressing me in a, an army uniform and so that i think i'm one of you know I, one of the soldiers and uh, so I, I don't really know what's going on and then someone sort of pulled me away and they're like are you billy howell i was like yeah and they were like why are you dressed in that uniform uh you're you're in the navy you're not you're not in the army uh so no way. yeah yeah so it was it was kind of uh, i was a bit rabbit in headlights really in terms of well not so much at that point i guess you know i've been working for a while but in terms of the the vastness of of it you know it was quite yeah. like and no no penny is spared on that set i'm sure you know just showing up must have been crazy yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Th that's amazing, man. And then, you know, talk to me, you know, obviously, like we said, there's a lot of characters on that, but I'm sure, you know, then with your agents and your reps, that credit mixed with glue, you know, gives you a lot of impetus and in, in decisions. You know, what was, you know, like, uh, I know you did, you know, speaking of classical, you did the seagull, you know, what, what yeah, was it yeah. like doing something classical in a film was that really cool kind of using these yeah, tools yeah. that you learned but then also using the film tools and and making them amalgamize and to this really interesting yeah yeah it's, it's i mean it's really interesting that was actually the first film even though it came out much later it was actually the first film i 
I'd shot, I'd been in. Um, and, and of course I was working with Sierra Ronan and, um, he worked with again. With who I worked yeah, with again. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, um, yeah. So, I mean, so it, that was like, we were flown to New York. We had 28 days to shoot this, you know, indie film in upstate New York. I, first of all, had never experienced heat like it because we were there in the middle of summer. Oh, that's it and right like, now. I'm, I'm in New York. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's right out that window. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it was just something else. And I, I remember seeing the Pride Parade and we were being put, picked up on the block that the Pride Parade was going past. And I, I was just like, I mean, Pride is big, you know, in London, but this yeah. is just like oh, it's something level. else, man. Yeah. Um, so, so we were there in a car in a hot, sweaty, leather cocoon you know driving to upstate new york yeah. in like 45 degree heat or something crazy um so like so yeah uh, uh but yeah then we got there and it was just like from beginning to end just like really truly collaborative quite cerebral process um where i was really allowed to discuss you know the nitty-gritty of 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 constantine and yeah and what is going on in this play and 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 annette, annette spenning actually came to see me in ghosts which we did at bam in new york oh yeah i, um, I heard was, about that production i wish i could have seen that man yeah so that, that's actually what got me the gig you know she came to see me afterwards and oh and annette, um, annette did she was a champion of yours yeah. that's awesome absolutely man. glenn yeah, really. fleschler is a really good friend of mine He's done the show oh, twice. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant! Nice yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a lot of time for Glenn. I think he's brilliant. Um, so yeah, and it was it was great. You know, it's like that was a really empowering experience. You know, in the sense that, for like, really, what I had to say and my thoughts were like really listened to, and and they really wanted to know, and they were, they really wanted to give me ownership of, yeah. of this this role of this character. You know, and so I think that that for me was like, oh wow, okay the same power I felt when I was bobbing the dog, when I was sort of seven or eight years old, this power I had over the audience that if I change the use of this prop, you know, I can make them laugh or, or whatever. Then suddenly I'm sort of on this set and I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. This, this is the same. It's the same thing. You know, I still have that power here. Um, so, so yeah, I think that, that, that certainly gave me a, a boost of confidence. I mean, I think and, I went and through a you phase. with so many icons, you know, I mean, Brian, I mean, yeah. I, too many to name, man, you know, and that, that's so cool. And I, I actually went to the premiere of Tribeca. So it was so cool to get to experience that, man. I, I saw Peter Sarsgaard do it uh, in 2008 with uh, Christian Scott Thomas. So I thought it would, you were, you were an incredible Constantine, man. It was so much, I mean, dude, you were, it was, it was an epic work, man. I, uh, Thank you, man. Thank yeah. You. And doing that then, you know, talk to me about coming back, you know, like, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words because uh, I'm just so devastated she's gone, but getting to work with Helen McRory, how, how was that mm. experience? Um, yeah, that, that, that really hits a nerve actually. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm currently, I, if, it's, if it's too raw, we, we can, uh, no, no, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, I'm always happy to talk about Helen, uh, so uh, I'm actually M- mother, father, son is the project. We that's right. Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So mo- yeah, mother, father, son. Uh, I, I I'm playing a, a stroke victim. He has a stroke in episode one, uh, and then we should sort of follow that. That. So so I, I was quite sort of isolated, if you like. I, it was very much there was my story, and then there was everything else going on in the yeah. story, you know. Um, and so it felt quite isolating, and 
uh, again, because I have this sort of penchant for darker roles and wanting to go to darker places, I, I, um, I, yeah, I guess this is kind of masochistic kind of, you know, relishing the fact that I'm having to go to these darker places, but, but, and I did, but, but it does take its toll, you know? Um, and I saw Helen, you know, for the first time and we had this scene across from a table, um, and that it's, it's very difficult to describe There's Some actors who they give you sort of, they, they relinquish, if you like, all of themselves, all of this control and they sort of permit you to, 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 uh, get, you know, to be inside their heads yeah. fully, you know? So it's just this sort of completely open access. No, there's no arrogance. There was no ego to it, you know, and any ego there was, it was there for a show to sort yeah. of take the mickey, you know? Um, and, and I just learned a huge amount about my craft just, just from that day, if you like. Wow. Um, and, and, and she gave me, you know, sort of, you know, permission to, to, to also be as open and as accessible, you know, as an individual and, you know, to start also to stand my ground and to, you know, if, if that's how you want it to be, you know, you make sure that that's how it is. So she was this real force, you know, this real whirlwind. I'm, I'm a mentor in some ways, it sounds like, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, uh, on, you know, on top of that, she's playing my mother. So when, um, I'm actually here working with another cast member from Mother Father Son at the moment, Pippa Bennett Warner. Oh. Um, and when, when we, yeah, I was doing an interview actually for the Telegraph. Um, we were out in the sun and I was just talking about Helen and Richard Gere and, and Mother Father Son. And then I got this call saying, you know, Helen passed away this morning. Uh, and so for the rest of the day, we had to do this photo shoot. And um, so there was quite a lot of acting required yeah. for the rest of that day. And, uh, and I, you know, I think again, ironically, if you like, one of the things she really taught me was this, you know, it, it, this resilience, this this inner strength, this perseverance, um, this sort of calm within the storm, not before it, but actually within the the the, um, the melee. You know, she was always this kind of figure of of calm and yeah. um, togetherness. You know, and uh, and so yeah, I kind of you know held it together, but. It's been um, it's been a tough, weird time, and it's a huge loss to the industry here, and I think the industry yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm really sorry, brother, and I'm sending you healing vibes to to you, and, you and, and and to Damien, you know, and and uh, you know, man, you were incredible in that. And uh, you know, before we jump into the serpent and, and the beast must die, we got to talk about it because the fans will, you know, obviously yell at me if I don't doing Star Wars, <laughs> dude. How is that experience? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know what? That was it. Was an absolute blast. Uh, it was one day of filming. Um, Were you scared to fine... take on something like that because it's just so big, you know, and it's so global, you know, and like doing that, I, I can imagine, you know, going back to what we were saying about ambivalence, like that, you know, even the, even though you know you said it's like a smaller role, whatever, you know, it's just like Star Wars and like Harry Potter are like the biggest things in the yeah. world, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I sort of take things in my stride. Like I said to you before, I'm not. I'm never ambivalent. You know, if, and I love Star Wars. I always have. Grew up watching the films, and um, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm like a, a. You know, I don't have all the books and like you know know yeah, all the character me, names, yeah, but yeah. I but I love the movies. Uh, and um, 
And uh, yeah, it was a lot of pressure in the sense that I knew the imports of this role, uh, who he was, you know, in terms of the rest of the story and what that actually means for, for the rest of the story, the, so the mechanics of it. So I sort of did feel a pressure there. I was in very safe hands because of JJ. I knew how brilliant he was. And, and you probably and, had to keep and, a secret, like, like Mission Impossible <laughs> style for like a year, right? You couldn't tell anyone. Yeah, it was. It was a bit <laughs> like that. Yeah. 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 Um, um, and then, of course, I had Jodie Coma. So, uh, you know, she, she was we were both sort of a bit like, whoa, you know, this is, this is again, it was like a set I'd never seen before. It was like something else and all these sort of animatronic, like aliens and, and, and monsters and stuff and people on lines flying across the, yeah. you know, uh, it was pretty. Pine, Pinewood studios in London. I mean, the best in the world, man. It doesn't, you that's know, right. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. And was that fun? You know, did you have a good time? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that made it strange was it was their last ever day of, filming for seven oh, years this that's kind of whole bleak. group of people yeah 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 um so it's a, a weird like dichotomy like everyone was hugging and about to say goodbye and we were just saying hello so it's yeah. it an odd timing but yeah. Yeah, still enjoyable and then and then dude you know what you well first how did it come your way the serpent you know was that an audition was that an offer like um they i i got a yeah no I, I, it was it was an audition uh, Robert Stern, who was casting, uh, who did work with Nina Gold, uh, said to me, "Are you are you free tomorrow? Uh, we need we, um, so we need to fly out to Thailand in two weeks, and we need to cast this role." So, uh, and, and, and he's Dutch, and I was like, "Oh, um, I can't really do a Dutch accent. I don't know about this." And so anyway, I had a day. Your Dutch to, accent well, in that show is incredible. The fact that you just said that, I was like, you must have had like <laughs> Dutch family members. There's, go on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, uh, we have a close friend of the family who is Dutch. But yeah, I, I don't know. It was, a, it was a tough ask. I had 24 hours to prep like 12 sides of A4 for this audition. Um, and I didn't really know the story or anything about it. Yeah. So I, anyway, just use those 24 hours to the best of my ability and then and then went in the next day and did this audition uh and then another 24 hours later i found out i got this role and i was flying out to thailand in about two weeks time uh so it's did you call uh, just, a dialect coach what'd you do <laughs> yeah 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 i mean yeah, yeah, straight away i was going guys uh you know i really need to brush up on my dutch here um so yeah so the beginning of it beginning of that journey was quite as it often is with me i mean it's like uh, quite stressful you know, the social aspect of getting to know new people, yeah. maybe even living somewhere new. So in this case, yeah. the other side of the world for four totally. months. Um, um, so, so yeah, it was a lot. And it's, it's uh, the furthest and longest, away. no, not longest, but the furthest from home I'd think I'd been or filmed, you know, uh, for, a, for a long duration. Um, and, and then again, the heat. So even though New York was hot when we did the seagull, like this was another level. Tropic hot uh, and different kind. Yeah. You know? <laughs> just a whole, whole yeah. other thing. Uh, and, and so just unbearable for me. I don't deal with heat very well anyway. Um, and then I, I found out that we, it was, you know, of course I knew it was set in the seventies, but found out I would just be wearing like polyester and viscous. Oh, God. Uh, for the, they must have had a band behind you the whole time spraying you down. <laughs> it's just, it's just mental. Let's just dress them all in non-breathable fabric. So yeah, well, the so, character's yeah, so constantly in distress, so it works. The sweat, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, I wasn't acting. I was just <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, man, you were Daniel Day Lewis. You were using it. You were, yeah, you were. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Was that was that a fun? I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I I'll, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't know the story, so you know, it's just so unbelievable. But you is that, and you and Ellie, man, you guys have conversations in Dutch. Like you made yeah. it, you made it look easy. You know, like how did yeah, you do thanks, that? Man. Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know is the answer. I mean, I, I, at the time, I was working very much from a place of stress, almost to an unhealthy level. And I've sort of changed that since, or I'm starting to, you know, to, like, find a more holistic, more tenable method of, like, <laughs> working towards a character. But I, I do tend to, like, work from a place of stress, and it's really full on. And the stakes for me as an individual, as a person, are very high. I'm like, if I get this wrong, this is, it's you know, the end of the world kind yeah. of thing. Um, so that's You're an the amount, We're amount. tough on ourselves, dude. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. So, 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 so that's the amount of pressure I put on myself. But then, when I started to relax and started to, you know, I, I call it, you know, the 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 effort factor. I, I, you know, don't don't um, I don't mind myself quite so much. Um, and then I start to enjoy myself. So yeah, and 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 we did. We had a a whale of a time uh, yeah. in Thailand for those four months. And then for all that suffering, you know, what's it like now to see the world, you know, just enjoy it so much? Is it, has it all been worth it? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. yeah I, I see a Golden Globe and an Emmy coming your way, brother. You know, I'm calling it oh, here. If I was a betting Who man, yeah. it's it's going on you, dude. You did incredible work, man. But, uh, you know, I, you, I, obviously you're going to have to come back sometime, you know, because I could talk to you for hours. But let's let's jump into the the Beast Must Die. Talk to For me. Sure, yeah. You know, this is based on a novel. Did you know about the the book? It's with Jared. No, Jared. I, I. That's that's right. Yeah. yeah Jared, so yeah. Jared Harris, uh, Kush Jumbo, uh, myself, Geraldine James, Mia Tomlinson, uh, Barney Saban, who's a new new actor. Um, yeah. So, so like, and um, Dome Karakowski is 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 uh, is directing for Britbot. Yeah. Like. Um, the Beast was I played Nigel Strangeways. So it's a set of detective novels. Um, um, written by Cecil Day-Lewis, uh, his nom de plume, which I can't remember again all the time, forgetting his uh, pen name. Yeah. But um, yeah, so, so anyway, it's a series of novels. I hadn't come across them. It's not the kind of thing that you would find on my bedside table or that I would choose to read. Um, but anyway, so I did. And it's, I mean, it's, a, it's very different. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's kind of been different. pushed into the modern day and all that stuff. Um, but um yeah, the sort of the normal avenues. And I got the job actually before the first lockdown in uh, in England. And then it didn't happen for, for like quite a long time after wow. that. Um, so I sort of was just sitting on it for a long time and had these grips and did a lot of work when I was, you know, at home. But there's only so much work I can actually do sat at a desk. Yeah. You know, I'm quite instinctive and I'm very much informed by like environment and other cast members and all of that stuff. So uh yeah there was a lot of anticipation yeah, so cool man so what so when is this project coming out uh july the 5th on amc awesome uh, i love it madman great network that's killer and uh yeah yeah really cool and, and and working with jared harris and then you know you said you had to take a break and then you shot it when the pandemic got a little bit better uh yeah that's right yeah 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 so it's quite tentative at first i think we were all quite worried you know with all these covid protocols that it was going to be shut down or, you know, we'd have to go back to the mainland or whatever, but we were really fortunate. There was only a couple of like hiccups where people. And you shot it on the Isle of Wight where it takes place, right? 
That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. How was that experience? I've, I've never been. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it is like a, a tiny island. Like, you know, it's a small island off the south coast uh, of the mainland. And um, it, it's, I mean, it is like quite provincial. Like everyone knows everyone's business. Um, uh, you know, you get a lot of tourism, um, but there's a real separation and the locals, you know, it's, it's, it's very much their place. And not that it's not welcoming. It's a very yeah. like very accommodating place to be and uh, sort of bleakly beautiful. And do you think um, that, that time that you had in the pandemic to sit with this character, do you think it, it, it really helped the work? Do you think in some ways it, it, it maybe made you in your head a bit much? Like, I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm imagining how I would do it. You know, it's, it, it's yeah. tough to sit with something for that long and also to not yeah, know sure. when you're going to get to do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, the anticipation was killing me. So eventually I just sort of put the scripts away and didn't even think about it because there was also this notion that it might just never get made. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, I, I, we didn't yeah. even know what the severity of the COVID situation would be in a year's time. And, um, so, so yeah, so I sort of just put it away. So, so yeah, so that was, that was like, you know, a major shift. Uh, and it also was a major shift in terms of my approach and like, you know, the, the, the way I thought and felt about work, you know, and what I realized was this sort of place of stress that I've been working from. Um, you know, it's, I was sort of like cutting, I felt like I was cutting my nose off actually in a way. And anyway, so I arrive on the Island and I, I was like, okay, for the first time in a long, long time, I feel like I've got to get to know myself because I've stopped drinking and I've got to like play this. Yeah other person at the same time right so it's, it's two so it bur- like, two bursts happening simultaneously yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so i was like yeah getting to know two people at once and it, that was that was intense it was an intense period but but it kind of helped you know as you said before like whether it's a method or whatever i often find like in an uncanny manner that actually the things that are happening in my life like really are just like the story or you know that come from the story or derived from the story somehow or, or vice versa yeah. that actually whatever's happening in my life you know starts to inform what it is that i'm doing and, um so i don't make a distinction really and i know a lot of people say it's unhealthy or whatever but i feel like you don't choose to be an artist that 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 it sort of is put upon you in a way yeah, totally. uh, and then i you guys just spend the rest of my life trying to make sense of it um so there's a bit of that going on shooting there well you're it's incredible work i I got to see a few episodes i can't wait to see the rest of it man and 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 you know before before we wrap up you know you you got infinite storm coming out when when is that coming do you know uh i don't know exactly but i'd imagine sort of i imagine autumn okay cool and then you just started chloe how's that going it's going really well yeah Yeah. it's um yeah really good I really appreciate you being here on your on your day off, man. It means so much to me. It's uh, been my pleasure, so, man. Yeah. so incredible talking to you. You know, I please come back anytime, brother. I I I I I could do this for hours. Just I love the way your brain works, man. And I identify with a lot he said. But a uh, few final questions, if that's okay with you. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, we kind of just hit on it a little bit, but it, if you don't mind expanding on it, it's um, it's been a really tough time for the world and and for actors. And for uh, humans in general, just kind of living in our heads and, and being locked in our home and, you know, knock on wood now where things are opening up a bit. But uh, it's been tough to, to stay sane and, and to, to be an artist or to, and to be a human. You know, what, what's kept you inspired? Um, the, 
the things that the thing that have been inspired me and it, and it often is the case is the resilience of like the human spirit this idea that you know at some at some point again we will congregate that at some point again we will meet and that there will be some form of ritual that we will enact such as going to the theater yeah. and 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 when and when that's missing i think like there's a real sort of deficit you know in the mind in the spirit in the soul in the body uh, and and it, and it what it what that deficit creates is a hunger and that hunger itself is is inspiration that is what uh, drives us to create more stuff to create yeah. um, and I think if anything has taught me you know uh, is how creative so many people actually are and a lot of people who don't realize that they are as creative as they are have started to realize that during this period of time and I think that's uh, a brilliant lesson. That's so beautiful. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and, and going back to the young Billy who, you know, you know, felt kind of lost at times and, and, and got dark and then did the drum school and did get in the first time for all those actors out there that are struggling. You know, I know this is a really tough question, but any words of wisdom you would have for them? Yeah. Um, be, be, I mean, I've only just started to understand what this really means. Uh, people say take care of yourself be kind to yourself and and that what that really means is you know to not recriminate yourself for rejection to to be patient with yourself to take the time it takes uh and, and time really is our only is our only currency and it's a baffling thing it's very difficult for us to really understand but there is plenty of it don't rush and don't rush to please other people because what we do isn't about pleasing other people, um, not fundamentally. Even. Yeah, um, that's beautiful. You know, um, man, you know, I, 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 I'm so grateful for your time and, and your work. And, you know, I, I, I'm telling you here first, man, that nominations, plural, are coming your way. And the work you're <laughs> doing is incredible, man. And you're you're a real force to be reckoned with. And, and you got so many amazing things ahead of you. And I'm, I'm so excited to see them all. And, and I'm, I'm team Billy all the way, man. And, and please come back sometime and, and let's do this again and, and, and grab coffee one of these days when the world's back to, to, to whatever degree of normalcy we hopefully get to soon, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. I got so much love for you. Good luck on Chloe, man. All right. You too, man. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.